Goodness of God. Come on, let's sing it out all my life. 
they're talking about the goodness of God and he's always been faithful, he's always been with us, he's never gonna let me down. And I really feel like there's some of you here that are saying, I wanna believe that. I really wanna believe that, but you're singing those words and it feels empty and, and your faith isn't latching onto it because you've had some bad experiences and you feel like God has let you down. You might even be angry at him or you may feel abandoned by him. But you know what? He wants to change your perspective this morning. He wants to change it because he is here to encounter your heart, to, to teach you who he really is, what his goodness means, and how much he cares, how much persuaded by that. Let your heart dare to believe. Be willing to say, God, I don't believe, but I'm willing to let you try and persuade me. If that's all you can give him this morning, give him that much, because he can work with it. Amen. Kind of just... Raise your hand as a reaching out to the Lord. Say, Lord, that's me, and I'm declaring today that your goodness chases me down, that you're going to rewrite my past and my experiences because you redeem them for your goodness. And even though, Lord, I'm in pain or hurting or don't believe, you are good enough and great enough and big enough to do that, and he wants to do that for you. So if that is you, just raise your hand. Just Kim prays for you. We're not going to call you up. Just raise your hand just between you and God and say, this is my time. Thank you. Jesus, I just pray for your precious people that right now in this moment that you would rewrite their heart and their belief system. That belief system that's so deeply ingrained in their life's experiences, Lord, that you would just encounter them in that hurt and that place and that disbelief and that you would transform their heart that you would rewrite, Lord, that you would use all the emotion that they're feeling right now to rewrite their heart with your goodness and your truth. And Lord, I just pray that they would be able to picture themselves experiencing your goodness, that their faith could latch on to that vision of what your goodness looks like in their life and they can walk it out and they experience it. And I declare over them right now from this moment forward, that they will know your goodness for them, your love and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just sing that chorus again. You are good. Sing it out. Because you are good. You're good. Because oh, you are good. You're good. Because oh, you are our church to come to if you're a first-time visitor um, we would love to pray for you so we would love you to fill out one of those connect cards in the front of the seat back in front of you um, and then drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by um, we are not going to come to your house or anything like that we're just going to send you a letter a welcome letter just welcoming you to our church and uh, telling you a little bit bit more about us um, okay and then so if you guys can all just uh, 
take the time to greet each other. Uh, and then we will hear from announcements. Yes, great. Yes, go for it. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I'm here, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who aren't normally come to church here, they don't always clap when I say I'm here. Um, the reason why they're clapping is because my wife and I um, got rear-ended this week, and Ben, ben Miller, was in our direct, youth director, was in the car with us. We were going up to Fort Collins to uh, go to a seminar at uh, Timberline Church, and uh, I, we were coming up on a light on Highway 34 here, and I noticed this car behind me was like flying, like didn't notice that we were at a light at all. So I jerked the wheel to go into the median, and but he, he still hit us, hit us hard, probably going, he was probably going the speed limit um, on Highway 34. So we're talking 60, 65, and we were only going about five, so... Uh, we got launched to the median, took out a sign, flipped upside down. The other car flipped upside down, and both cars were totaled, and another car was involved, and we all took a trip to the hospital. So um, Ben and I were pretty good, um, some concussion and neck and stuff, pain like that. But my wife, unfortunately, has two um, fractured vertebrae in her neck. And so uh, no surgery, praise God. Um, every, it was, I, I don't know the, the medical term, but everything. What's the medical term, Rob? was like not, not separate, it was, all, it was together but fractured. And so no surgery luckily for her, but she's gonna have to wear a neck brace for 12 weeks, that's what they're saying. So um, pray for her, and when she's here next week, please don't hug her. <laughs> um, but she is at home and kind of up and around and uh, in a little bit of pain, but yeah, praise God. We, we got through this, ben, ben lived, I lived, we all live, and the, the driver of the car, he's okay too, and the other person is all right as well. But um, yeah, Thursday morning, this was Thursday morning, I, I woke up, and I usually sleep pretty good throughout the night. Four o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and I didn't even get to bed till like 11.30, so I didn't get much sleep, and I could not go back to sleep four o'clock in the morning, and so usually when I try to go back to sleep a few times and I can't, I just like, well, there must be something I'm supposed to pray for, you know, and uh, so I started praying for actually some of our directors. I'm like, well, bless them, God, pray, you know, pray for them, pray for the situation they're going through. Never actually occurred to me to pray for myself, so um, if... If you get a prompting on your heart to pray, man, pray for people God puts on your heart. Pray for yourself, too. Um, it, 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 can, it can matter. So, but God is faithful. He's good. And uh, so because that happened, we have a, we're going to have a guest speaker this morning. My message was about halfway done, but, you know, I had to get busy with other insurance stuff and making sure my wife was okay. So we, we, luckily, we have Matt Tarka here to um, take over for us. And he did such a good job last time. And I think we have a good mic for him this week. So... He's going to be preaching here in a minute. Let me give you a couple of announcements 
and uh, we'll take up the offering. Maybe next week we'll show you some pictures of the car. A little slideshow presentation. All right. All right, three ways to give. I want to, you know, before I do that too, I want to say during worship, it was interesting you had the, um, the goodness of God is chasing after you. If you've never seen or felt like God chasing after you. I had this just picture of worship. You know, when your kids are little, my kids are a little bit bigger now, and they're, I think they're about to enter that like awkward stage, you know? But when they're little, like three, four, five, it's like the cutest stage of their life. They, they max out cuteness. It's like it ramps up, and then it kind of steadily declines. <laughs> so <clears throat> I love them. They're cute as heck. But that three, four, five age range is so cute. And I'm looking at, I was looking at pictures recently, and it's like you just want to grab their faces and your heart hurt, like your heart hurts because you love them so much. I had that like feeling during worship. That's how God thinks about you. That's how much he loves you. His heart hurts for you. He wants to grab your face and kiss it, right? So the, the, the story is not that we love God so much. Like that's awesome that we love God. The story is that he loved us first and he loves us profusely. And if you've never seen God that way, you need to because that's the real God, Amen. All right, let's get to the, that's my first announcement. Okay, um, Easter is coming up. Uh, it's kind of a big day in, in Christianity. Um, April 21st uh, is, we're gonna have two services that day, a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., okay? So don't come at 10 o'clock because you'll be late or early, depending how you look at it. Okay, um, we're also, so we're, we're gonna have um, some invites you can give to your friends and bring some people to church. We wanna get a bunch of people saved. One of the first things my wife prayed after when she was in the hospital, she's like, the devil has to pay for this. We're gonna, we want souls to come into the kingdom during Easter, so invite some people who need to know the Lord during Easter to church, amen? All right, um, there's gonna be an Easter egg hunt. That's gonna be super cool. Invite your friends, family. There's gonna be cards, there are cards in the foyer, so take some of those home. It's gonna be great. Um, tonight, we have a family swim party uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Family Funplex. So um, are these also in the foyer? On the, on the welcome table. So invite some people to this. Um, I kinda, we kind of like to use this stuff as an outreach. So if you have people who are reluctant to come to church, invite them to this so they can you know, see that we're not totally crazy, just half crazy, and Christians are okay to be around. And so um, we have the Family Funplex. We rented out the facility, 6 to 8 p.m. tonight. Bring your kids. Bring your swimming trunks. It's gonna be a good time. Um, also, um, Pastor Bill Klein is gonna be here um, next Sunday um, evening. We're gonna kick off our freedom class. And of course, uh, we, Pastor Bill was preaching last weekend, but he's gonna do, be doing a four-week uh, class for us starting um, April, is next week April 7th? Yes. Yeah, so next Sunday, April 7th. Um, it's only gonna be, it's four Sundays for a one-hour class. So the 7th, 14th, 28th, and 5th. Um, Child care is available for those of you who register. So you can go to sealights.church um, and there's a banner on top. You can click on that and register your kids and we can have child care for you. I encourage all of you to go through that class, um, especially people who are new believers, new to the faith. But really, I, I would like um, our whole church at some point to go through this class. So we'll have it again in the fall and, and, and later on um, this year. But um, please, please, uh, when you can, go through that class. It's going to be super good and kind of fundamental culture building thing um, for us as a church. All right, so that's next Sunday, April 7th, 4 to 5 p.m. here at the church. Okay, um, our first ever City Lights uh, Women's Gathering is going to be this Tuesday, April 2nd, 
And there's going to be um, worship and a message here. And child care is provided. And I am leading by example City Lights family. And I am serving in our nursery so that these ladies, uh, me and a few of our other directors, and if any of you other men want to serve in our nurseries, make sure these ladies can come in and enjoy um, encountering the Lord, hearing a great message, and, and hearing worship. Um, talk to Karen, our, our children's pastor. She would love to have your help. So... Because, um, yeah, most of our child care workers, ch- children's ministry workers, you know, more than 50% of them are women, and we need some men to step up. Okay. Amen? Okay, good. All right, last announcement. City Lights Men's Gathering is going to be two weeks after that, Tuesday, April 16th. It's going to be right here, 6 p.m. at Main Sanctuary. Worship and a message. There's no child care this time. So, wives, you can stay home with your kids and watch them uh, that night. Sounds good? All right, I'm going to pray for the offering and uh, then we'll, we'll pass the buckets. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness in our life. We thank you for your faithfulness. You are, you are the God who is chasing after us, that you profusely love us, God. God, we place these gifts into your hands um, as worship to you, Lord God. We, we, we honor you with our, our, the tithe. We honor you with our finances. And we know, God, when we put you first in our finances, um, we know that there is a blessing on our lives, Lord God. So we just do this to advance your kingdom for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, ushers, go ahead and pass those buckets. And while those are coming by, um, I'm gonna introduce my friend, Matt Tarka. He's the pastor of uh, Grace Hill Church in Fort Collins. By the way, if you know people in Fort Collins that don't have a good church, point them to these guys, because this is an amazing man, and he's got a great message for us today. So come on up and welcome Matt. All right, good to see you all again. You know, what's amazing here is I just want, I was telling Kurt this, is that um, God is transforming his church and he's transforming you because you are the church and he's transforming his leaders. I think it's amazing to see how God unites the body of Christ. And, you know, it, we grew up in a day and age in the 80s and 90s that it was all about our church, our church name, you had to build, build your organization and so forth. But now we have pastors that are not just getting together for breakfast and prayer and saying, hey, that's good to meet you, but we're actually in each other's lives. And we're actually speaking into each other's lives. We're actually, um, uh, Kurt and I share each other's messages and kind of spur each other on. Um, he was at our church last week just helping us lay hands and ordain and license a couple of our leaders. And so we're not just talking about being the church at a leadership level, we are actually being the church together and encouraging and building each other up. And so much so, I was telling Kurt, it's a blessing to be here. Matt called me, said, hey, just sent me a text. Hey, can you preach this Sunday with no details? And I was like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm available. What's going on? And then I heard what's going on with Kurt and Emily. It's an honor to be here, but what's amazing and cool is Kurt's gonna preach at Grace Hill. You know, when you have leaders that their identity and their worth and value do not come from position, title, or salary, we're all here for the glory of God and for his kingdom to minister to the body of Christ so that you can be built up and become all that God has you to be. Then the church can become the church that God intended it to be. So we're thankful for City Lights. I always say if God didn't have me called on assignment to Grace Hill, this would be our home church. And we love Kurt and Emily and the leadership team here. So amen, good stuff. So let's do this. Um, everyone, Kurt, we're gonna, you're gonna represent your family, Ben. Where'd Ben go? Well, he, Ben went to the 
take a break, but you come up. You're going to represent him. Okay, he can come on down. We're going to extend your hands. Let's pray for these guys. Okay, come on. Squeeze in, sister. All right, Steph. All right. So let's extend your hands. Let's pray for them in full healing and recovery. Thank you, Father God, that you are good and that your hand of protection was upon this family and these families, Lord. We thank you for fast healing for Emily. Lord, even though the doctors say 12 weeks, Lord, we declare it done now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your healing power. We thank you, Lord, for your hand of protection in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I would encourage you to, uh, this is something our, the Tarka family did. We printed out Psalms 91, framed it, and put it in our house. And Psalms 91 talks about the protection of God. Even though those may fall to the left and to the right of me, no evil will come against me. No disease or circumstance will hurt me or take me away from God's kingdom. It also, when you have young kids who have um, bad dreams and so forth, we declared that they will not have the terror of the night come and affect their sleep or affect their dreams. So I encourage you to read Psalms 91, meditate on it, and realize that's a promise of God through Jesus Christ for you. And so you can be speaking that over your family. Ben, how you doing, buddy? We just prayed for you. <laughs> Praise God. Well, if you all remember, um, a month ago or two, uh, we talked about grace a little bit. And I have no idea what Kurt has been teaching on his series the last, the last few minutes, but, or the last few weeks. But I wanted to take a few moments to continue on grace, and more importantly is how your prayer life can be transformed to see heaven come into your earth. So that your prayer life is transformed so heaven becomes your reality. See, we all know that God is good. We know he loves us and cares for us. But when it comes time to some key things in our life, in our prayer life, is kind of where the rubber meets the road. And I'm going to give you three things today that impact how your prayer life is going to work. And it's either going to become dead or alive. Now, I would like you to do something for me. I would like you all to take a deep breath and breathe it in. Let's do that again. Now this time, when you go to take that breath, I want you to breathe in all of heaven. Because it's all yours. You ready? One, two, three. And let out all doubt. See, prayer is spiritual breathing. Just like you physically breathe and don't even recognize that you're breathing, you don't even pay any effort to it very rarely unless you're a runner or a biker or something. You breathe every day and it keeps you alive. And God says prayer is spiritual breathing. It keeps your spirit alive. And it's basically communion with the Father. And we have this thing that prayer sometimes in the Christian church is like, I have to dedicate a certain amount of time. I have to dedicate um, uh, uh, quiet times. And that's when I pray. And having dedicated time to read the word and pray is powerful. It's good. 
But you have to realize is that your spirit is praying with the God, with the Father every moment of your life. Every moment. Right now you're praying. You're like, what do you mean? Because you're in communion with the Father. Your spirit is one. You're connected with him. You can't be separated. And so prayer isn't, shouldn't just be this diligent thing that we have to do and go, okay, I gotta have my dedicated prayer time. Realize you're communion with the spirit all the time. And he is always speaking to you. Like he doesn't stop. Kurt said so, uh, when he prays, sometimes he gets woken up at four in the morning or having a hard time sleep. Those are some of the best times to pray because all the cares of the world are not working in here. They've shut down. And when your brain shuts down, your spirit becomes alive and you can hear it and you can begin communion and start talking with them and say, Lord, what do you want me to pray about? What, what are we talking about here? Father, what do you want to say to me? It's a relationship. We have to take prayer from a religious duty and make, make it realize it's a relationship that brings life to me. Now, I want to talk about some of the things that, that would challenge you um, that would limit that. I want to say this. Has everyone ever been through the Eisenhower Tunnel? A couple, I'm sure a couple of you have. If you all have kids, you know how on the way up there's a couple smaller tunnels before you hit the big one? Has any of you um, ever done this with your kids, like you held your breath through the tunnel? And like the first, is there two before the, the tunnel or one? Two, yeah. And they're, they're, they're good warm-ups, but you're coming upon the big one. So when our kids were little, we're like, here comes Eisenhower. You got to hold your breath. So we always do at the count of three. One, two, three. And, I, and you know, Eisenhower's like, what, a mile long? I, at least, maybe 10? I don't know, but it is long. And, you know, we're all trying to compete. And my son, Caleb, at the time was probably, what, seven years old, six years old, five. You know, that cute stage you were talking about. Definitely that stage. Um, and, you know, I let out my breath, Kim, Michaela, Megan. And here's Caleb, half a mile in. He's like, you're like, you're still doing it? And he's like, as you see his belly moving. <laughs> he's like, to this day, he goes, Dad, I held my breath the whole time. What's interesting is as soon as we stop praying... We stop being aware of that communion with God. We are starving for the oxygen of the spirit. We don't want to stop the oxygen of the spirit because we want to be aware that the father is continually speaking to us and he has nothing but goodness for you, like you were saying. So breathe him in. And you're like, well, I'm trying, but I'm struggling here. Sometimes our prayer becomes... A little challenged. In the, I don't know about you, but does anyone have a busy life? You know, three kids, two jobs, running a church, doing missions, doing another side business. Life gets busy. Our culture seems to thrive on busyness. We seem to make it a, actually a ribbon on or a badge. Well, I'm, I'm busy. I'm just, whew, things are going good. It's busy. We're so busy that sometimes prayer turns into something like this, and this is where hopefully you can laugh at this. If not, just give me a dirty look, and I'll love you anyway. Prayer sometimes becomes like an order at a restaurant, and God is our waiter. 
we first come up and he comes up and we say, hey, you know what? Um, I'll need to take a side of forgiveness. Um, actually make that two. Um, are you able to bring me, also, are you able to bring me a really big well-done bonus you know, with additional time off on the side and add a few tickets to the game. That would be really helpful too. So first, we tend to repent. Second, we tend to ask requests. And then the third is we represent, hey, Sally here, she's on a special diet and she needs to really have a good man. Not with luggage, just some limited baggage and basic mental capacity, to be, capacity and he has to be able to come to church regularly. Okay, a couple times a week is okay, or you know, a month is fine. We get into this repentance, requests, and represent with our prayer life because we're so busy. And God's just saying, hey, I just really want to slow down and see how you're doing. Because have you ever had a waiter come up to you and say, you want to hear the specials of the day? No, 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 I'm too busy for that. I just want this, this, and this. But see, God is saying I have some specials just for you. I have some specials that I've cooked up just for you. And he wants to pause you and slow you down so you can hear what he has for you. But there's sometimes some barriers in the way. In James 5.16, it says, confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate heart for heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Another way you've probably heard it is the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You hear that and you go, wow. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And you probably immediately try to qualify yourself and said, that's not me. That's not me. I don't know if I'm effective. I don't know if I'm fervent. And that righteousness stuff, I'm sure, is for somebody else. And immediately we just disqualified ourselves because we just measured and judged ourselves based on that scripture, based on performance. But I want to tell you that, and first and foremost, this is what's amazing, is in Romans 3.22, it says that all those who are in Christ Jesus have been given the gift of righteousness. You've been given the gift of righteousness. And you're like, man, that's a really big religious word. What does that mean? Real simple. It means Jesus took care of all the requirements so that you can be in right relationship with Father God. Simple as that. He took care of all the requirements so that your relationship with God can be as, as it ought to be. The way God intended it to walk with Adam and Eve, he wants to walk with you. And since righteousness is a gift, does that mean you can earn it? No. But in our culture, everything is based around law. Everything. You do good, you get rewarded. You do bad, you get ostracized. In the home, in church, in, I mean, you know, in schools, sometimes some churches, government, whatever, everything is based on laws. But God said, hey, my goodness goes so deep that I took care of all of that and he runs on an economy of not of laws, but of grace. The kingdom of God is measured by grace, not measured by law. And so with that, he gives you the gift of righteousness. And so that's a gift that Jesus gave you that you're in right standing with him. And that uh, qualifies you to pray. 
that qualifies you to pray. That qualifies you to connect with the Father. Amen? All right, so let's get down to some good stuff here. If your prayer life is not working, I want to have you consider the following changes. And this is kind of a big takeaway. Your perspective on your relationship with our Father determines how you approach him in prayer. Let me just say that again. Your perspective on your relationship with God determines how you approach him in prayer. Real simple. Let's just take this to a relational level. If I am a hard father, if my kids are afraid to come to me, and they're afraid to tell me I just got an accident or I just failed that test because they're afraid they're going to be punished or be pushed away or shunned or whatever, are they going to be willing to come talk to me? No. Some of you may have been raised in that type of household. But God is saying, hey, I want you to be able to come to me even in the worst of times, even in the worst of mistakes, even when you've, you feel like you cannot. He wants you to come and say, I've made a way for you to be able to talk to me. But your perspective, okay, on your relationship with God determines how you approach him in prayer. So these are the three things. Number one, so when I say the word view, I'm meaning how you see, believe, and ponder about. How you view God's character will determine if you approach him. We basically, Pastor Kurt, preached the first point. And we sang worship songs. He is good. He is good. And he is good all the time. This is the, the other part that's just as important. I loved that song. Um, what was it, Matt? The, the one that he's running after us? Is that what? Yeah, the goodness of God is running after us. Wow. Um, can I tip over a religious cow? You know, this is what's great about being a guest speaker. I won't be here next week. If you're mad, you could be mad at Kurt for inviting me. Um, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, God's not running away from us, therefore we don't have to chase after him. I just got to let that sink in. See, I was raised Lutheran, good Lutheran. Became spirit-filled in middle school charismatic, did all the crazy 80s and 90s things, seen God move, and was told that if we didn't chase after God, he's not going to show up. You ever, I want to get a, read a book called The God Chasers. The heart of it was to see the move of God. The problem was is that it completely removed Jesus out of doing the chasing. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus pursues you. God's goodness is pursuing you. It is chasing you down every moment, every day of your life. All you have to do is slow down and say, here I am. It is catching up to you. Righteousness is yours. The goodness of God is yours. He is not trying to tell you, you need to do more for me to bless you. He is already saying, it's finished, it's complete. I love you and care for you. And to Kim's word, we shared this message last night, and there's sometimes people say, that's great, God is good to everybody else but me. Or, I believe he's good, but I haven't experienced it. That's legit and real. 
And God says, I want you to experience my goodness. But you cannot even approach him in prayer if you think you're wondering, do I have to chase him today? Like yesterday was really good, but maybe I have to put in more effort today. Maybe I need to pray more, memorize scripture. Maybe I should fast. Maybe I should go to church. Maybe I should stop cussing. Whatever it may be you think you need to do to get God to show up, you need to say, that's garbage. Because it's nothing more but self-work. Instead, we need to say, God's character and nature is love. And Jesus has done all the work to connect you to him. So the first thing to encounter and have an amazing prayer life is realize that God's character is good. He's not an unjust God. In Luke, I'll just, I don't have time to read it, but many times Luke chapter 11, we talk about the Lord's Prayer. Luke writes about a model of prayer. And then he goes right into an illustration about, hey, don't you have a friend that if you went to their house at 2 a.m. and knocked on their door and said, hey, I have someone that just showed up at my house. I have no bread. Could you give me some? And your friend's like, what are you doing? You nutcase. Come back tomorrow morning. Sure, King Supers is open. Go. No, 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 no. They're here right now. And your friend says, fine, my, you know, fine, here, take the food. They do it, okay, because they want you out of their hair so they can go back to bed. <laughs> and then the next verse says, ask and you shall receive, knock the door, will be open to you, and so forth like that. And there's been a teaching that says, see, you have to be persistent with God. You gotta keep on knocking. You gotta keep on asking. You gotta keep on doing more. And then he'll finally get fed up with you and give you your answered prayer. Garbage. That's a wrong interpretation. Jesus was giving an example and saying, you all at least have a friend that will answer the door reluctantly, but God says, I will answer it speedily. He was trying to show you that God is even better than a friend. That's what he was trying to say. But we get caught up in like, see, you just got to do more. Come on. All right. Part two. How you view, see, believe, and ponder about your position or identity in relationship with Jesus determines how your prayer life works. How you view and see yourself as your position and your identity in relationship with God determines if your prayer life works. If you're coming to him as a slave or as a son, because there's two different ways. If you come to him as a slave, you come begging, pleading, woe is me. God, if you have any type of mercy, if you would just show up, God, I, I know I'm, I'm a sinner. I know I keep making mistakes, but God, I just needing you to do something. That is a complete slave mentality. My son has the freedom to walk into my household and take the food out of the refrigerator without asking because of his identity, because he's a Tarka, and he has the right to do it. And so does his friends. <laughs> his teenager friends. <laughs> See, God is a good God. He shows his righteousness and his goodness, I mean, on the just and the unjust. And your relationship with God and how you view your relationship with God will determine if your prayers are effective. Let me give you an example. I ran into someone a couple days ago at the coffee shop a couple weeks ago. 
hadn't seen him in quite a few years. They were in a wheelchair. And I said, oh, man, what's going on? And told me their story. I said, hey, can I pray for you? And in their testimony, yeah, God's, God's going to do a work. He's going to do a work. He's going to do a work. Yeah, I know he's going to do a work. It's awesome. And they're like, yeah, you know, there's just a purpose. There's a, you know, there's a reason for everything. And I said, yeah, there is a reason for everything. God cares to bless you and bring you his goodness, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And like, yeah, oh, yeah, um, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, sure. And then they kept on going. And I was like, all right, all right, I just, you know, do a litmus test on where their heart's at. I can see. So then towards the end of it, they're like, you know, God's, God's got a purpose in all this, and he's going to bring it about, and there's, there's a purpose for all this. And I said, yes, his purpose is to see you whole. He is not the one that caused it. He is not a Jekyll and Hyde type of God. Because if he was a Jekyll and Hyde type of God, and by the way, I know a lot of Christians that believe in a Jekyll and Hyde type of God, you don't know which day and what God you're going to get day to day. You don't know how can you pray, God, heal me, if you believe he gave you that disease to teach you a lesson. You'll be confused. And I know a lot of Christians and believers that are. See, your identity is anchored in the goodness of God. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. Jesus Christ died and exalted you. We are seated on the right hand of the Father with Christ because Christ is in you and you're in him. I know that's hard to believe. You're like, whoa, Matt, you're, you're talking some big crazy stuff. I know, but it works. Because I no longer have to wrestle with God, which was really wrestling with nobody but myself. Right? What was that Brad Pitt movie, Fight Club? You're just beating yourself up, thinking you're fighting God, but really you're just fighting yourself. You're like, I'm going to the mat with you, God. And God's like, okay. You know? You're wrestling with yourself because God says, I love you too much to wrestle with you. I love you too much to wrestle with you. I've called you out of the desert to bring you into the promised land. This example here, if this is the desert, sorry guys, and this is the promised land, okay? The reason we don't cross over is not because God didn't split the sea, it's because we don't believe that we can. God says, I've made a way. I love you, I'm for you, I'm not against you. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're my child. In Christ, all things are being forgiven. You are made righteous and you have a purpose and plan, have a purpose and plan for your life. And the passions I've put into you are possible. It's time to cross over. It's time to cross over. I shared that with a gal in our church the other day. I said, everything has been ready to go. It's just time to cross over. And she says, I don't know how. And I said, that's fair enough. And it's because he's been my third point. Third point is how you view, see, believe, and ponder about faith will determine your prayer life with God. How many of you heard it said, I just don't have enough faith, or you don't have enough faith? Everyone says, you gotta work up your faith. You gotta have more faith. And it's constantly being told what you don't have. And I'm here to tell you, you have everything you need in Christ because he's given you the same measure of faith. 
We think that faith is something we gotta build up and muster up and do, but Jesus has planted the seed of faith inside of you. We're saved by grace through faith and that of not of your own, okay? And he says, I'm gonna draw out of you and all faith means is trust. If you look it up in the Greek, just you can Google it, Bible concordance it, look up the word faith. One of the translations is trust. But this is what's really cool. If you understand the nature and character of God's goodness, and you understand your relationship with God and your identity, and you've experienced his love, then trust or faith is nothing more but a fruit of a loving, nurtured, steward relationship. You do not have to ask me if Kurt came up to me and said, Matt, I need you really, I need you to do this, Matt. He takes me out for coffee, has a talk with me, sits me down. He says, Matt, I'm gonna look at you face to face here. I need you to, to really, really work on trusting your wife. I need you to really build it up. I need you to activate that. I need you to, to meditate on it. I need you to do more to trust Kim. I look at him and go, you're a nutcase. Because I already trust Kim. Because faith is a supernatural overflow of a healthy relationship at a heart connection. You don't have to muster up faith when you know the goodness of God and experience his love for your heart and connect it at a heart-to-heart level. You don't have to wrestle with it. Faith just comes. Faith is an overflow of what God's doing. But most believers feel like they have to have more faith to get God to do something. I wanna tell you something. Take a deep breath. Right at this moment, you have all the faith you will ever need. You have all the faith you will ever need because God has infused it into you. It's yours. And sometimes we think, but you know, how then, what do I do with that? How do I activate that? What do I, what do, I do? I was talking with a gal the other day and she was, I know I'm supposed to trust in faith, but how, how do I do this? And I said, well, tell me what's been going on. What have you been doing? And she goes, well, I'm just tired. I'm tired of waiting for God to answer my prayers. I'm tired of serving and doing all the right things. I've tithed and my finances still aren't blessed. I've served in the church and we're still struggling in these areas. I've done all these things and I am tired of this roller coaster. I'm tired, I said, of the gerbil wheel. And she goes, yeah. She goes, I'm done. And I said, thank God. Because God says, wow, I'm glad you're done. Because being done is the best place to be. When you're done trying to muster it up yourself, when you're done trying to do all the things to perform for God, when you're done trying to say, well, I pray, I fast, I go to church, I serve in the children's church on women's night, I do all these things that God wants me to do, I tithe most of the time, um, you, know, you know, okay, maybe half the time, but you know, I do what I have to do to get God to bless me. 
And God's like, but you're already blessed. And I've already blessed you. You just don't know it. You've worked yourself up so much that you've exhausted yourself. And so my counsel to her was this. She goes, I'm done and now I'm afraid. And I said, that is a great place to be. And you're probably going, you are like the worst pastor ever. (laughs) And she looked at me like I was the worst pastor ever. I said, the reason you're afraid is because you're vulnerable and naked before God and and his love and acceptance and approval of you can only come from your worth and value, not from your performance. And you've relied on your performance for 25 years and it's all you've known and it's familiar and you want to go to that. And so I'm glad you're afraid, but you're still safe. I said, afraid, you know, you think that's like, why, why are you afraid? I said, afraid is the sense that you're disassociating with performance. And it's going to feel vulnerable. And God wants to teach you to stand before him and know that you're loved, accepted, and approved just for who you are. And she goes, but I can't do this for another 10, 20 years. I go, thank God, either can I. <laughs> this is just real life confessions of pastors. We said, you know what? If I was a betting man, I'm all in on grace all the time. If someone said grace is on the table, I'm all in. When I see grace is in the mix, and that's, that's what we're seeing God do, I'm all in. I am so confident that it works because it transforms hearts. It transforms hearts because it allows people to know their love, worth, and value. It tells them they don't have to perform with all the aerobics and all the calisthenics. They just can be them and they can rest. And they don't have to say, ah, they stop wrestling. Because when grace is involved, it works all the time. Because grace is everything God has done through Jesus and made available to you and me. I got to say this one statement. It might sink in. Sometimes people go, wow, whoa, 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 what do you mean? I was going to say this. Um, (laughs) Let me back up. Well, I lost it. It was a good point. See, I'm old school. I use paper. It's all right. Let me wrap up with this on the grace part. If God hasn't already provided your need through grace, your faith can't do anything to make him do it. If God has not provided your need through grace, your faith is not going to move God to make him do it. What I'm saying is God has met all of your needs already in Christ. And we call that grace, God's influence, God's divine influence and his power on your life so that you can experience the life with Christ that he has for you 
and you can rise up to that and be empowered by him to live in all the promises which are yes and amen, all right? We got some people to read the Bible, amen? Um, yes and amen are all yours in Christ. And so you're not wrestling or chasing or fighting or re- or after God, and you don't have to muster up your faith to get him to provide it. All he says is that faith or trust engages it. It's what you already have, and it's just a yielding and saying, Lord, I want to experience all that you have for me. I want to experience all of your goodness. I want to experience all of your power. I want to experience all your provision. Now, I want to tell you something. You're saying, hey, Matt, are you you saying that every area of your life you're walking in 100% victory? It is not fully manifested in every area of my life. But like a friend of mine says, I may not have arrived, but at least I've left. And my question is this. Grace has made a way, has divided the sea. Grace has said, I'm for you, and I've called you to a purpose and passion. God says, it's time to cross over. And my question to you, are you willing to leave? Are you ready to leave? Are you like my friend that says, I am done. I'm done doing it my own way. I'm done trying to figure this all out. I'm done trying to do all the right steps and check off the box to make it happen. And if you're done, God says, thank God, because we're ready to cross over. We're ready to cross over. And like Kim said, and we worship today, the goodness of God chases you down. Chasing you down. Now, I have been, and we'll wrap up. That's like, what, it's my third time I've said that? I got five more. Um, I would like uh, us just to take a moment and and to pray for you and have the worship team come. Let's do that now. That'd be great. We're not going to go long. We just want to take a few time to have the prayer team pray for you, the ministry team. But what I really, what Kim was hitting on and what the worship team was hitting on is, is and what God, the Spirit of God saying is, is that he wants you to experience his goodness. And if you have not experienced his goodness and you want to do that, we would like to pray for you. Second, if you're struggling with one of those three areas, the nature and character of God, your identity as a son and daughter, or third, your faith, We want to pray for you. We want to just minister to your heart and let God connect with you. The other thing I want to say, too, is this. There may be something that God is working in your heart that you've been standing for to see breakthrough, and you haven't seen that breakthrough yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I mean by that is you've just accepted it as this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. And you're tired of believing, you're tired of standing, you're tired of wondering if it's ever going to change. Wondering if it's ever going to be different. And I want to tell you, God, our sister here during prayer, said God is aligning you up. He is aligning your earth to line up with heaven. Because some of our earths aren't lined up fully with heaven in our minds and our beliefs. But God wants to shift your earth with heaven. He wants to line things up so that the 
goodness of God, the promises of the kingdom flow from heaven into your life. And I, I you know, I just want to know pastors don't have it all together. Just look at me. Kurt's awesome. He's got it all together, but not me. <laughs> we are walking this journey out ourselves in grace by faith. Okay, in grace, God does it. Faith, God imparts it. And it's my response to his goodness. And I just want to say is that God wants to respond to your goodness. Can we just, what, what's the song we sang? The goodness one? Your goodness, run after me. Yeah, let's just do that one. And then why don't you stand? Amen. Praise God. We're going to get started a little bit early with Easter this year. <laughs> what I mean by that is, is that he's alive. Amen. He is alive. And if there's anybody here that has never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, others people upstairs too. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've never heard that God is good, you'll hear it here at City Lights. You will hear a message that God is good all the time. I want you to encourage you to plug in here. Bring your friends, come hear this message and experience it. Because God wants to tell you and show you he's good. But if you say, Matt, I've never, I've never heard about this God. And I would like to receive him in my heart. If that's you, you know, it's a bold step, but I'd like to pray with you. Come on down and pray with one of our teams or just raise your hand. So let's just, first, I'm gonna do this first. Let's just raise your hand. If you would say, Matt, I'd like to receive Jesus in a new relationship and connect with him. If that's you, just nod at me or raise your hand so I can see it. All right. Sweet, awesome. Praise God. So you need to just pray for him, all right? Ben, pray with him and just lead him to the Lord. Anyone else? Praise God, amen, yes. All right. Father God, these men are just gonna pray with this gentleman and um, do that. Now, I assume everyone here knows God, knows Jesus, amen? But if there's an area in your life that you're like, I need breakthrough from knowing God, I need breakthrough in my identity or I need breakthrough in my faith. I need a crossover. I'm done and I wanna move over in this area of my life. I see God saying he's got that promise for you today. He's got that promise for you today. He has it for you right now. So we're gonna worship this song. These guys are gonna sing it, right? Come on, brother. And while they're doing that, you just come up forward, we're gonna pray for you. If you don't come up forward, pray for others and then can, can I excuse people or do you wanna excuse them? Release them or what do you want? You'll do it. Okay, Pastor Kurt will release you. So. Also, I felt like there may be some people in here you've been fighting with. You feel like your heart has been getting hard, like you've been getting a hard heart even towards God. And I felt like God said, just come forward and I want to heal that and I want to soften your heart again. That's good. Amen. Yeah, if you have that hard heart, it's okay. God loves you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at the world. So let's worship. Go for it. Let's worship. And then you just come on forward.